We just have our opening. Do you like the openings? Yeah, some lady compliments me in church on my baritone voice, and then we start our pod podcast. I hope that lady's not a listener. She's gonna second guess what she said. Yeah, you got quite a young man. I just love your singing. Thanks. So does my three-year-old. I thought this was supposed to be about the Bible. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> well, yeah. welcome to another episode of the Bearded Bible Brothers. I am your bearded host, Mickey slash Goofy slash Matt slash Other. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I might as well just be the laughing hyena, <laughs> Snowbeard, Josiah Marshall. I can't contain it whenever you go off. <laughs> but we have a very special uh, thingamajig going on right now because Josiah and I are actually in the same place right now. Yep. We are both in northern Utah where he and his family dwell. Well, technically we are sitting in Idaho right now. Okay. So we are out of Utah, officially. So we fled Utah to <laughs> record this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. With no one in hot pursuit, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> Just in our own minds. <laughs> and we are sitting in a in a car right next to a gorgeous little creek that is partially frozen and partially flowing and with a giant cliff face in front of us. Just mm -hmm. enjoying God's God's uh handiwork. Aye. It's a good handiwork too. It is. So this is known as Cub River. Cub River. Cub River, and it flows out of Franklin Basin. Is Mama River somewhere around? <laughs> is she going to be angry that we're hanging out with her cubs? You know, my daughter actually asked me that one day. Did she? She did. It's like, if it's named Cub, where's the mother? Lock the door, quick. <laughs> it was great. I like how she pulls up stuff like that. She just sees it. She just sees it. There we go. Car door's locked. Car doors are locked. We're safe. <laughs> So, we are jumping back into our conversation regarding the Lord's Prayer. Aye. Taking it step by step through. Yes. And if I'm accurate in my thinking, today we're on, give us today our daily bread. I think you're getting ahead. Am I? Yeah, we haven't done uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We haven't done that one yet. You're right. I suppose we haven't. We've, I was thinking of when we did verse, verse chapter Matthew chapter five verse nine, talking about heavens and what it is and where it is. Ah, and we kind of yeah. we kind of touched on we His kinda, will being done up there. But you're right. We could we could spend significant more time on that today. So why don't we do that? Well, I agree because I've got I've got Hebrew copious notes, copious and Hebrew notes, notes. And Hebrew notes. 
All right. So we've got. Take it away, Mr. Hyena. <laughs> Don't start that again. <laughs> A little bit of Jungle Book thrown in for good measure. Just because. But yeah, um, so it's got literal meanings. It's got metaphorical. Um, and uh, it's all based per off the word itself. So how you spell the word. So like Melek. So we've got kingdom. Right. Right. Root word of that is Melek, king. Mm-hmm. And that's Mem, Lamed, Kaf. Mm-hmm. And so one of the fascinating things that I was even working with my son on was the fact that when you start looking at these meanings, you look how Mem is a broken heart draining out all its pain to be filled with love of God. And how Kaf, we're going to skip Lamed, we'll come back, Okay, means empty vessel waiting to be filled with the presence and glory of God. So what does Lamed do? It's a glue. It brings things together, mm. essentially. It gives a purpose. It provides a teaching. But then it also brings things together and binds them together. So so let me say it back to you to make sure I got it. So the, the Hebrew word for king is melech. Uh-huh. And it's the, the letters of the word, the Hebrew letters, form a picture of an empty heart being joined to sitting patiently in the presence of God to be filled. Yeah, it's a waiting vessel waiting to be filled. Yep. Very cool. Isn't that amazing? And one of the things we started talking about regarding this was the opposite of Pharaoh. What would a hardened heart be? Mm. And my son jumps in and goes, Pharaoh. Now, we're not, I'm not automatically saying that Pharaoh is bad by any means. I'm not saying that the word is bad either. But it's just the contrast of Melech with king in the Bible with Pharaoh. Of course. Because yeah, yeah, then yeah. you got two dynamics of two different hearts and what they're able to do. Because we see what happened with a hardened heart mm-hmm. with Pharaoh. But we also see what a drained heart waiting can be with God. And, and that really helps me in the description... I'm immediately thinking of David being a man after God's own heart mm-hmm. and how frequently he asked God, should I go up to this place or that place? And should I go do X, Y, Z? And God tells him yes or no, or yes, do it, but approach from the rear or like right. down to the detail of how he should go and do what he should go do. Right. And I mean, he even did that with Joshua in the, mm-hmm. in the taking of I even. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's really quite fascinating, but it's even more in, Illuminating when you look at Lamed. Now it has that per, that part of bringing together. So the middle letter of the, Lamed. Yeah. So Melek, Mem, Lamed, Kaf. And you've got teaching, learning, purpose. Receive your learning from the Holy Spirit. Whoa. <laughs> learning a lifelong process. Teach and learn from your heart. Which is more interesting when you look at how Melek, I mean Mem and Kaf are talking about a heart or an empty vessel. That's cool. And that makes sense that Lamed means all that because mm-hmm. from what, what little Hebrew I know, the, uh, a lot of words that start with Lamed mm-hmm. are, um, if, if it's a verb, it's it's the, um, I, don't, I don't know the grammatical term for it, but it's the, instead of walking, it's yeah. to walk, right. to learn, to do, to. to. Yes. So it's, it's yes. the kind of generic version of the verb. Yes. Ready Which, to be applied somewhere. The interesting thing is, is though, when I was looking closer specifically at uh, Matthew 6, what is that, 10? Yeah, 10. Yeah. It's using the Greek word mal- malku or malkut. Okay. 
Now that's that's basically it's not the Greek word exactly. Excuse me, that's the the Hebrew word. But when you break that Hebrew word down, that's where you get the melech. Okay. That's kingdom. Excuse me. So that's the Hebrew word for the Greek word that's being used. Excellent. And so it was just a, a process of even just going through this, and it was so fascinating because you also have the first mention in Numbers twenty four seven. So but while you're turning to Numbers, do we also want to have a brief conversation about? Why we're looking at Hebrew words in the New Testament, which Absolutely. is written in Greek. Oh, I couldn't agree more. So, in Numbers 24-7, I'm reading from the complete uh, Jewish Bible. says, Water will flow from their branches. Their seed will have plent water aplenty. Their king will be higher than Agog, or Agog, and, or Agag, Agag, <laughs> and his kingdom lifted high. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? So, we're already looking at water will flow from their branches, their seed. We're getting that water oh, and that tree is, combination. This is the prophecy of Bellum. Yes, yes. Sorry. Uh, yeah, context. Excellent. This okay. is the prophecy of Bellum. And so what an amazing concept being brought up even by a non-Jew, one that even was bought and hired to place a curse, and how that... And wasn't able to. No, it wasn't able to, but how even a concept from here goes can be linked to Jesus and what he's saying Absolutely. and how to pray. Absolutely. That's that's extraordinating to me. Extraordinating. Extraordinary. <laughs> no, no, no. Extraordinating. <laughs> that's all, folks. No, not yet. But, yeah, let's talk a minute for about how we're doing this and why we're doing this because language as it is is already confusing enough. Sure. <laughs> yep. Right? And I, and I made a reference just a minute ago to Hebrew grammar, and I think probably... Some of our listeners' eyes rolled back into their heads. So let's... <laughs> Not that again. Yeah. So, Josiah, Sir Snowbeard, why are we talking Sir about Hebrew words when we're reading the New Testament, which is written in Koinonia Greek? Right, which is true. And it's, in some cases, can even be called a Judeo-Greek because of the dialect. Okay. But um, the reason we're doing this is because Matthew was a Jew. He was Hebrew. Mm -hmm. He was an Israelite. Jesus was an Israelite. Um, Luke was not. Right. He was, he's, he's oftenly re considered a Gentile, although there's some new scholarship that would suggest that he's actually... A convert. A convert of some kind, or at least half Jewish, perhaps. Oh, really? Not yeah. just not just a Gentile God-fearer? No. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so that's a suggestion. But at least for the most part, the general consensus is Luke was a Gentile that was... Um, he wasn't hired, but he was basically proctored for the job of providing eyewitness accounts about what happened. Sure. Back to, what was it, Theophilus? Yeah, Theophilus. Yes. And so, um, and then John, also a Jew. Yep. Paul. And Peter. so we've got these, and Peter, so we've got these Hebrew-speaking men. Now, it is reasonable to state that there is a consensus among many that say that Hebrew was not being spoken at the time and that it was more a temple process. It was kept more into temple rituals and the like and that Aramaic was the primary language being used. Okay. However, there's actually uh, solid, ar solid archaeology studies and even anthropological studies with, within a linguistic framework that find no Hebrew was being spoken. I, I completely agree. But, yeah. I, but I've heard but, that argument quite a bit. Yeah. But then on top of that, 
you've got so many of these translator translating uh, institutions and these linguists saying there's Hebraic euphemisms and adages in the New Testament that are being spoken in this Judeo-Koine Greek. So even if it's written in Greek, yeah, it's written by Hebrew speakers and Hebrew thinkers. Exactly. Using Greek to disseminate the message out to the rest of the world because everybody understood Greek. Right. Right. Yep. Now, and then there's even some recent stuff that suggests that uh, Matthew was originally written in Hebrew. But there is no evidence for that. Okay. But it, it it's one of those more reasonable ones. You go, okay, yeah, I could, that would make sense given that Matthew was Hebrew. Sure. But then he was also heavily involved and influenced with, by, by the Romans. And so he would have most likely spoken more than one language. Of course. Easily. And even, it's even reasonable to think that Jesus did as well. Mm-hmm. But um, because, Especially having grown up for who knows how many years in Egypt. Right. And then also by being in the middle, in, in Israel itself, which is this crossroads, mm-hmm. it provides that um, the Mesopotamian highway that even goes right through Galilee. Yep. And so you even Galilee itself, when you think about it, where Jesus basically had his base of operations, mm-hmm. was heavily Gentiled. And it was known as the backwater. Yes backwater to what would be Judah and Jerusalem that's more of uh, the elite and the leadership of Israel. Backwater to the elite and leadership. However, the Zealots and the Pharisees both had their primary base of operations up in the Galilee. Correct. So backwater to those who were highfalutin and looking down their nose at people. Exactly. And the populace at large. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But even then, the Pharisees, which Jesus had more he had more in common with the Pharisees than any of the other religious political groups um, because even he said, what was that, Matthew 23, where he said, don't do what they're doing, but do what they say. Sure. So he's actually agreeing with what they're saying, even if he's not so keen on what they're doing. Because he calls them hypocrites Hypocrites. and and shows that they're not living up to their own standards. But the crazy part, though, is, is that when you really look at the ministry of the Pharisees, they are ministers of the people. They were the ones that went into communities and started setting up synagogues. Right. They were the big proponents of the synagogue system. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but they're also heralded as creating the first public school system. Really? Yeah. Israel had the first compulsory school in all of history that, that I've been able to find out so far. They're the first ones to have compulsory school. Interesting. And so... Um, when Jesus was a kid, he would have been required to go to school. Of course. So and, along with all the disciples. Well, yes. But even the interesting part is when I was reading uh, just a couple of weeks ago, this account of an um, anthropologist who was asserting that boys and girls mm-hmm. were required to go to school starting at the age of three. I, I had a conversation with somebody I know who said that he was told that it was the most illiterate time of the world. But, and I, and I can understand that from a certain point of view, but when you really get into the, um, the intricacies of the Israeli country at that time, it was incredibly literate. Absolutely. Very literate. And to think that it was entirely literate from teaching and learning the Torah. Mm-hmm. Because you were starting to, 
you were taught the Torah starting around the age of between three and five. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you got to about age nine or ten, then they got into the Mishnah and the Talmud. And then by the age of 13... The writings that 12, would 13, later make up the Talmud. Yes, yes. Well, they already had the Babylonian Talmud in Jesus' time. Yes. Yeah. So that's the primary Talmud that they were teaching around the age of 10. Gotcha. And then when 13, they do the Bat Mitzvah or the Bar Mitzvah, which is the um, natural step for a child stepping into the responsibility of their own spiritual duty and responsibilities in training themselves up continually. Continuing to do that and to continue to pursue what they've been given already. Very good. Okay. So. But one last thing. Sure. Sorry. One last thing is is that if they didn't have a drive for learning, sometimes they would actually stop around the Mishnah, the Talmud, and they'd be put into a um, trade as early as 10 years old. Okay. They'd still do the bar mitzvah, the bat mitzvah. That was still expected where they would quote large portions of scripture, mm -hmm. large portions. Um, it was commonly known that every every individual, even the average resident and citizen of Israel, knew the Talmud, I mean the, the, Torah, the Torah, backward and forward. Absolutely. It was memorized completely. And so they wouldn't even go on in their education. They'd just go into a trade. So, but that kind of does set us up for where we're at now because it, I was having a conversation with someone that said that but how would they know what Jesus is talking about if he's only dumbing things down? Because he's not. He's not. And they were making these connections back to the Torah. Yes. Assuming that the entire audience knows Torah backward and forward and has exactly. most or all of it memorized. Right, right, right. So when he drops a quick line, like, um, where are we? Verse 10. Yes. Chapter 6, verse 10 of Matthew. Let your kingdom come or your reign come and let your your uh, desire or your will be done mm -hmm. on earth in the same way as it is in heaven. That That's a verbal hyperlink back to a whole bunch of stuff in the Old Testament about God's kingdom. Yeah. Um, even yeah. Like, like what happens to be this week's Torah, Torah portion. Yes. Vayetza. Yep. Yep. Parsha Vayetza. Of, of Jacob's ladder and God's kingdom coming mm -hmm. to earth um, with the angels ascending and descending on it and the contrast of that with the Tower of Babel and man trying to make a name for for himself by ascending up to the level of God. The, whole, the plan of Scripture has always been God coming down and dwelling with his creation in the midst of. And so when he says... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that even goes back to the creation account, mm -hmm. where and and this mm -hmm. this kind of goes into some Michael Heiser stuff. Yeah, of <clears throat> we we were made to be, uh, we were made in the image of God, and that doesn't just mean that we have um, a conscious consciousness above animals, right, or or a soul or anything like that, like it's popularly been taught. It means we were created to be God's imagers yes. or representatives to the creation. Yes. And when he says, be fruitful and multiply and go and subdue the earth, that's go extend my reign as if you are little me's yes. on the planet. Right. That's when, why in the New Testament we're called ambassadors. Yes. We, and also sons. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. Because the son was the extension of the father, like we talked about in our previous podcast. Mm-hmm. And how he would carry the authority as well as the name. 
Like the king's vizier. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I like that still. Yeah. But you even said earlier the hyperlink. Mm -hmm. that, I, one of our favorites is Rabbi David Foreman. Mm -hmm. And this rabbi has got some amazing stuff out there. He's basically the um, Project Bible, Bible Project for the Jewish community. Yeah. And his, the videos are just... And the podcast and the, the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. The podcast. That guy has at least five. Five different podcasts. Ongoing. Looking, yeah. Yes. On, well, yeah. Some of them on a break, but yeah, ongoing. And it's just extraordinary to be able to sit back and hear him talk about these hyperlinks between Scripture. Yep. So then it would make more sense as to why we would look backwards and look at why where what Jesus is saying and where it's coming from. Because mm -hmm. even Jesus said, I'm not coming up with anything new. Right. I've not spoken anything that the Father hasn't already told me to speak, especially with what he's already given, and that's in the mm -hmm. Torah. And in the prophet Amos, we find out that God doesn't do anything without first give the warning through the prophets. Right. So right. Even even when like we're used to the, the New Testament or the New Covenant, um, and those are those are Jesus' words, but he they're Jeremiah's words. Jeremiah, Isaiah. Yep. Isaiah's Ezekiel's even. He goes into Daniel a little bit. Yep. So I and maybe we cruise through this. We're we're kind of talking through stuff that we've talked on several times True. before. But yeah. But the correct way, the the most appropriate way to study scripture is to do it linking back in the text. And and that's what Jesus did constantly. That's what mm -hmm. his apostles did in their writings. Oh, that's especially what, Paul. Uh, oh my word. Absolutely. Romans? Romans, so much of that is just tied right back into Torah. Yep. Deuteronomy a lot. And we've talked when we went through Revelations briefly, we we um we talked about how there's almost six hundred references to the Old Testament yeah. in the book of Revelation. Right. So so I think we can continue on with our, <laughs> our conversation yeah. through of uh, of your kingdom come on earth as it is in, in heaven. heaven. Yeah. Rabbit trail. <laughs> Worthwhile, but yes. Yeah. You almost want to say shiny, but not quite. Or rather, <laughs> squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So this was just some of the processes that I was looking at when I was looking through just even your kingdom. Mm. Because when you look at Numbers 24 and where the people are at at the time, a lot of them are already belly aching. Oh, yeah. And so they're not behaving that way. But here is a basically a sorcerer mm -hmm. talking over them, saying, this is what God's wanting you to be. And what you and will become. Exactly. And what you'll definitely become. And what the and even the connection with these first two lines, water will flow from their branches and their seed will have plenty of water aplenty. You see that going through even I, uh, Psalm one, mm -hmm. and I and I Jeremiah and Isaiah with this. Isaiah this, uses the the theme of streams in a desert, yes, constantly. Yes, and then also the oaks of righteousness. Yep, and so there's a strong presence of trees. So when I see Psalm one, for example, and it's setting up the precedent for Psalms of wisdom. Mm -hmm. This is a wisdom. That is indicative of and specific to God's kingdom. Yes. And it's a natural wisdom in the sense that it, it, it he's working with what he's created. He's not making anything new. Right. Right? But yet it can seem new, especially when we start looking at the word itself, Melech. Mm -hmm. And you just go, what a picture. What yeah. a picture of what this can look like. That we are hearts that have been drained. 
that we are and that we learn and teach from our heart to become a waiting vessel for specifically his presence and his glory. Yes. And then even going in further, so Dom is put together with um you got Malik there, and then you've got Vav and Tav on the on the end of Melek to make kingdom. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. So Vav uh, making secure, becoming bound, a connection with heaven and earth, connecting with those who's who has the same worldview with us, and then also so like the idea of fellowship, exactly, and then a uniqueness in our experience with God. Okay. So we've got this bonding part that's definitely bringing us in connection more with God, but you get the idea of a stake in the ground. Hmm. This is fixed and it's coming together. And then finally, Tav, to seal, covenant, join things together. The last, Mark sign, truth, divine redemption, and perfection. So it's, it's an even stronger bond being so made. So it's the idea of a fellowship with the king. Yep. So it, it's the king and his fellowship. When, when you were reading through what you've got on Vav, it kind of stood out to me the, the connection with others with similar worldview, mm-hmm. but contrastly a uniqueness in the, our experience with God so yes connecting with others who have the same worldview but set apart from the rest of the world right exactly exactly but yet it's also not only talking about uniqueness as far as individuals it's also talking about uniqueness as far as a, as a collective yep right there is that idea of the individual and there's the idea of the assembly even the congregation the word congregation that's often used back in the uh, Deuteronomy and Numbers. Yes. Right? And so it is this coming together, which I find so much more... Uh, oh, what's the word I would use? I'm not sure, but it, it's simply more prolific than what I grew up with. Yes. Because I wasn't being led to think that I was part of a congreg- congregation of people. Right. But that I was just joining in and being more culturally apart part what they're doing and everything mm-hmm. but that we all had these strong intentional emotions about what we were doing and we were strongly intentioned in practicing what we believed to show our commitment to God now that sounds almost a little technical but yet that's how I interpreted it I've got to go to church every Sunday now my dad was a pastor for a while and then he was also an itinerant pastor that would move around a lot and just help people out but it wasn't so much that we were living it out as much as just simply talking it out. Does that make sense? Because when you look at it from this perspective, this is doing, this is action. Mm -hmm. This is actionable. But I never experienced any of this. I see. Especially on the level of what would be considered biblical. The type of community that I was a part of was very much culturally driven by say when I lived in Mississippi. So there was a lot of hospitality and that you had the mammy and the uh, and the pappy and the congregation that call you out if you were running through the sanctuary, that sort of thing. <laughs> you take your hat off in church. Sure. You, 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 you sit down and you keep your mouth shut until you're told. That sounded a little strong, but that was how it came across. You right. do not make noise in a service. Right. Period. Which, not to be antithetical in this, but when you even look at one of these gatherings of believers in the New Testament, they were at homes and the kids were always running around making noise. Sure. 
But that's not to say one was better than the other or one was more accurate or correct than the other. It's still people coming together, right? Yeah. And I like, one of the other th features I like about even just this word alone, it's not Israel specific. It's True. not Israel specific. This is basic stuff that can be applied into any sort of cultural or social setting. Yes. It's not Israel specific, but it is Yahweh specific. It's Yahweh specific, and it's intentional for the human heart. Right, because we don't want to... It, it's very much not teaching like a universalist... Um, oh, no, no, no. You, no we're not no, looking up no, to the heavens. Me, no. And, and, and no, I'm not, not I'm not saying that's at all what you were implying. No, right, it didn't even right. sound but like that. But it's good to caveat that. Yeah, we're not looking sure. up at the heavens saying to the gods saying all y'all's kingdom down yeah. here. No, and it's, we don't want no. that kind of havoc. No, but it's even interesting where you look at the specific possessive pronoun of your. Yes, it's his. It's only his. His singular. His singular. Exactly. And so the idea that I've even heard of, oh, this is ours. This is something we have to take care of. No. This is his. Now, our responsibility... Now, one of the things that I hardly ever saw was when Paul... Uh, no, was it... Yeah, uh, well, Jesus said, if, uh, if, if you have witnesses come against you, two or more. Okay. Yeah, and that was just a basic part of the Israelite of the uh, judiciary. Yeah. Yeah. But then on top of that, you had uh, the the... The outline of, well, when somebody is not in congregation, mm -hmm. you go approach them. Yes. If they don't listen, then you take the leader. If they still don't listen, you bring them before the congregation. Mm -hmm. Right? And so what that's in, it's interesting to me, and you see this a lot even within some of the more uh, the, the older Prote uh, Protestant denominations of, say, even Presbyterian, where the authority sits with the congregation. Yes. Not so much with a specific pastor or individual in leadership absolutely and so it requires more involvement on the congregational level yeah than it does on this on the leader level because one of the things this does for me is it's calling to say no the pastor's not some moses for you i'm not calling you to be a passerby or an observer Yes. I'm calling you to be an active participant in this, which is why this finally, the, the, the it eventually took me to Revelations 5.10. Okay. This is where it ended up culminating for me, which is so ironic because it's the last book of our... Of our yeah, culminating at the, at the end of Scripture. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, let's see here. It says, you made them into a kingdom for God to rule. Hmm. Kohanim, or Kohen, or priests, priests, to serve him, and they will rule over the earth. Mm -hmm. So what does priests mean? A kingdom of priests? Yep. All the way back from Exodus 19. This, I'm going to be a little more vulnerable on this and say that when I was doing this word study, I cried my eyes out. Because mm. I thought, finally, I'm giving an op being given an opportunity of not only what it means to be part of God's kingdom, but to even be a dad. Okay. So tell we me, got... Tell me more about that. Cohen. We got Kaf, He, and Nun. That's how you spell Cohen, which is priest. Mm -hmm. Now, as we know, and as we've stated before, Hebrew language does not have uh, 
vowels. Right. Now they've got a system built in. Yeah. Dots and slashes. You pronounce vowels, but but yes. there's no letter written out for it. Correct. And so when you look at cough, you, we go back to what we've read before, is that it's an empty vessel waiting to be filled with the presence and glory of God, a longing to be filled, called to empty our minds of all distraction and, and laws on God. Palm, a hand. So that's the more literal one because it's often associated with the human body. So when we got cough, we go to hey, which is to show, to reveal. God and us exist in the moment. God's presence. Gentleness of God. Broken letter showing God's act of restoration through his son, Jesus Christ. Broken letter. Broken letter. Like a, the letter represents yeah. brokenness? Yeah, it does. So um, here's cough. Uh, no, that's top. Wait a minute. Excuse me. Here's cough. No, that's hay. Good grief. What am I doing? I'm getting myself confused. Oh, here we go. Right there. Mm-hmm. There's cough, and there's hay. Oh, sure. So, so you got that little break up here. So anyone on who's listening side. on the podcast, the the Hebrew letter hay looks like the symbol for pie, right? Except the left leg does not reach all the way up to the top. There is a Correct. gap between the leg and the lid. Correct. And when so, you look at mem, there's a break between the left line and the lowest line. Yes. That shows where the heart's draining out. Because gotcha. mem represents heart. Yes. But then so does bait. An emptied heart. An emptied heart specifically. But but you've got bait that actually means heart. But or house. But um so you've got cough, empty vessel waiting to be filled. Then you've got he, which is to show or to reveal. Then you've got noon. And noon is an emergence, endurance, faith, faithfulness. An abundant life to spread, offspring, descendant. Hmm. Then you've got action. Sure. Life, heir to the throne, faithfulness. All of the ideas that would go with action. a legacy. A legacy, but a legacy that's based on an actionable yes. understanding. And so when I was reading this, it was just so, so illuminating for me to realize that even as a dad, I was often told growing up, oh, you're going to be the pastor of your household. Okay. okay. The idea of what we've got as pastors today, I didn't really see fitting very well. Right. I'm going to sermonize at my family on a weekly basis. Yeah, exactly. But when you look at the social expectations and even just the office of priest and what they're doing, they're facilitating worship with God, Right. And so they are becoming that empty vessel waiting to be filled with the presence, longing to be filled and so on, that eventually go to show and to reveal. And they show it and reveal it by way of faithfulness, endurance, by staying steady to what God outlines specifically, this is what I'm calling you to do. Gotcha. Which becomes even more interesting, especially on a, on a Second Testament or a New Testament premise, when you look at Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. Because when even you look at that first one, the way, the way was often looked at when recording the tabernacle or even the temple as going, this is the way, this is how you go in. Sure. And so he's actually, and when you, it's, it's there's a lot in here and I'm not trying to throw too much out there, but it's fascinating when you begin to look at the layout of the tabernacle or the temple and what it ends up looking like. Mm -hmm. The common one is a face. Right. Like if you look down 
if you were to take the roof off and look down at it from above or like yes. a drone flying over Correct. and you look at the pieces of furniture in the in the tabernacle or in the temple and how they're arranged mm-hmm. it can very much look like a face yes and so sacrifice of praise mm-hmm. comes from the mouth but it also can come from the hands that's why it's so physical which is interesting because as i've said before as a linguist the valve in um your throat that's commonly known as the voice box the fact that it's producing sound is secondary so most organs have a primary and a secondary function okay the voice box's primary function is a valve so that it'll close off the esophagus and allow you to breathe so that you can move around and do what you're doing your body be able to work which I'm not saying this is it's just an interesting connection. That's all I'm saying. I'm not sure. trying to make something big out of it. Sure. But at the same time, what a fascinating reality. Yeah. When you have this overlay already on the temple and the tabernacle of a face and that of a person. Now I want to go back a little bit to what you said about how um the prayer or or and the prayer at large and also specifically this section of the prayer not being just for Israelites, but for any any follower of Yahweh or any God fear. Um, and then going into the priesthood part that reminded me of first Peter chapter two, verse nine. Mm. Okay. Where Peter almost directly, he quotes it, but with, but with a very slight twist, um, what God said to Moses and to the children of Israel in Exodus 19 of what the plan was going to be regarding their relationship. So Peter, writing to a mixed audience of Jews and Gentiles, says, You all are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a set-apart nation, a people for a possession, that you should proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now the people of God who had not obtained compassion, but now obtained compassion, obtained compassion, excuse me. Yeah, I get it. So as as we continue going through the Lord's Prayer, this, uh, it's for all. And and it it harkens back to what Jesus said, uh, who are my mother and brothers, those who do the will of God. Right. This is for all. Right. It's, It's really, and it's not, a lot of times we think about Okay, so Israel failed, or, or it's presented in uh, Western evangelicalism as Israel failed, the Israelites failed to be the light on the hill and, and the ambassadors of God to the nations, the kingdom of priests that would play the role of a priest to the rest of the globe. And so um, in replacement theology, it's taught that the church has replaced Israel in that yeah. in that goal. But right. but the opposite is true. Exactly. They are still the kingdom of priests, whether they're fulfilling that role to the greatest content that they could or not. Mm-hmm. And and what Yeshua did, what Jesus did, is he opened it back up to the original commission for all humanity through Adam. Yes be imager of God right be be fruitful and multiply go and subdue the earth right and this is for all mankind yes looking up to the one true creator God saying let let your will be done down here right just exactly like it is up there just right. exactly like it was in the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. and in fact mm-hmm. like it still is in the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve were kicked out but God never left no he didn't that's still no, he his didn't. 
Yes. Garden Metropolis. Yes. And where it is, nobody knows. But then again, there's been a lot of supposition about that. Yeah, and that's not the important part. No, it's not. But what what is, is that what I said last night, I, I, I don't know if you heard me say this, but um, we were watching the, the, the Parsha video mm-hmm. of Ayetza. And um, I, I was telling my son that Levi... Levi, the tribe of Levi, is to Israel what Israel is to the world. Yes. And it, it's interesting how Jesus puts it to his disciples in Matthew, where he says, no, you're not going on to be rabbi. I'm the rabbi. Yes. You're, you're to go on to make disciples, right? Yes. And Teaching so, them all that I have commanded you. Exactly. And so when it comes into how the wisdom that God would have of his kingdom, that's how it works. There is one intermediary, mm-hmm. and that's Jesus. Yes. We are disciples on a same playing field, so to speak. We're all equal in standing, and we're to be working together to understand and to operate in God's will. Or as your translation, which I like, is the desire. Yes. The desire. What is God's desire? And I was looking at that even, and I came across Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Through 22. Do you mind if I read it? Go for it. Okay. So now, Israel, all that Adonai your God asks from you is to fear Adonai your God. Follow all his ways, love him, and serve Adonai your God with all your heart and all your being. To obey for your own good the mitzvot and the regulations of Adonai, which I am giving you today. See the sky, the heaven beyond the sky, the earth, and everything on it all belong to Adonai your God. Only Adonai took enough pleasure in your ancestors to love them and choose their descendants after them, yourselves, above all people, as he still does today. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Mm -hmm. I remember one time somebody saying, no, that's not until the prophets. No, it's right here. Oh, it's all the way back in Torah. Oh, absolutely. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart And don't be stiff-necked any longer, or hard-hearted in some cases. For Adonai your God is God of gods, lowercase, and Lord of lords, also the second lowercase. Right. The great, mighty, and awesome God who has no favorites and accepts no bribes. He secures justice for the orphan and the widow. He loves the foreigner, giving food and clothing. Therefore, you are to love the foreigner, since you were foreigners in the land of Egypt, You are to fear Adonai your God, serve him, cling to him, and swear by his name. Oh, really? That seems to go against a lot what we've been trying to do. Right. Right? But that's... Misinterpretation of the third commandment. Exactly. And so he is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which you have seen with your own eyes. Your ancestors went down into Egypt with only 70 people, but now Adonai your God has made your numbers as many as the stars in the sky. Which harkens even back to he, the promise he made with Abraham. Yep. Where we see within Paul's writing, the Jews and the Gentiles becoming in one family, yep. one kingdom. And thus we come right back to the disciples' prayer of your kingdom come. Right. Which even just that one word come, it's active and it's ongoing. Yes. But And it's participatory. Yes. It's not passive. Lord, no. I'm going to sit back and ask that you do all the work in, in making your kingdom come mm-hmm. down here and, and all of your desires that are currently being fulfilled and taking place up there 
that that would also take place down here. Right. It's it's uh, a worker coming to the king saying, I need your help mm -hmm. in in taking care of your kingdom on your behalf and in your name. Yes, exactly. And that your will be done. Yes. On earth as it is in heaven. And Very so I, it's not so foreign. When you really get to look at it, it's not so foreign. It's not so distant either because I remember thinking as a kid, well, is this King Arthur's court? I mean, kingdom? King? Are we going to... But no, it's it's something far more personable than that. It's something far more relatable too. Mm -hmm. And that even though this is another language, another culture, 2,000 years old in its writings, but it's something that can still meet right here. Of course. Mem lamed chal. A drained heart who is learning and teaching from their heart that's waiting in a vessel to be filled with the love and glory of God. Excellent. And the priest to be able to go out and show what it looks like. A vessel waiting to be filled, going out and showing and revealing what it means to be faithful, enduring. Mm. And helping to facilitate the community. Yep. Whether it's your own immediate family or your neighbors at large. Or your Arizona's neighbors coming up to visit you. <laughs> yes, early. exactly. Excellent. But this has been a phenomenal conversation. I'm glad we got to do this, especially in such with such a view as we got now. But we thank you for listening in on this. And can we do a, a little bit of uh, an announcement? Oh yes, regarding the view that we get to enjoy and you don't, because you'll notice we didn't do a video recording today. That's right. So That's we're going right. to be shifting a little bit. For, for ease of editing, for the sake of um, for us being the, the fathers and the priests of our own families, uh, we're going to be just doing audio. So for those of you listening to us on the podcast, whether on Spotify or Apple Podcast or whatever like that, you will notice no change. But for those of our on our YouTube platform, um, we're still going to continue to post there. But it's it's just going to be a um, the logo and the the audio yeah. recording. Yeah. So, um, so we get to enjoy this beautiful view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I realize that you have to come see it for yourselves. Yes, come up to <laughs> Southern Idaho, Northern Utah. Come hang out with Brother Snowbeard and and enjoy this. So yes. But... With that said, uh, we would love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, and so write to us at beardedbiblebrothers at gmail .com. And until next time, God bless. And keep reading your Bible. And praying. And praying. <laughs>